Can you hear me now? The following is a presentation of the Alliance-Wrestling.com. Hey, everybody. It's Jay Cal. DK, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we had a technical snafu that just happened uh, right before the show started. Uh, the whole studio dumped itself out, so we were out of uh, we were out of the show. But it looks like we're we're back on. So everybody, uh, welcome to the Alliance Guy podcast. And here, why don't we listen to this for a second? This is the Alliance Guys podcast on Blog Talk Radio for Alliance Wrestling dot com. So this is the Alliance Guys podcast. We actually, believe it or not, this is episode number five for the year, which is practically unheard of. Uh, you know, in this day and age, with actually doing a podcast and reaching five episodes in one year, what an amazing feat! Uh, with me is DKM and also Jaden. Boys, we did it! Five episodes in one year. Congratulations! Do we get a plaque? That's a- yeah, I want a plaque and some cookies. Um, I'm not sure about cookies. Plaque, but we might might have some tartar build up if you like that. No, I don't want cookies. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so sorry for the bad bad jokes, guys. Um, yes, this is the Alliance Guy podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. Uh, we invite you to visit our website at www.alliance-wrestling.com. You can visit us on Twitter at the Alliance Blog. You can like us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Alliance Wrestling. You can find us on Instagram at Instagram forward slash Alliance, the word dash, wrestling. And now that that's out of the way, uh, boys, uh, we had quite the discussion earlier today about some comments made by Al Snow. And, uh, Who? well, today we're going <laughs> to – former WWE hardcore champion, WWE European champion, uh, ECW wrestler, uh, former member of TNA Creative, an on-air talent for TNA, uh, and the current owner of Ohio Valley Wrestling – and, well, I think we've got what he said up, queued up, so let me pull it up right now and we'll see how close we are to where it was at. And, and control of the title. I think, you know, I've seen a lot of the stuff they're doing, and I think it's, 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 uh, it's really good, and I think it's, it's, it's necessary. I just wish that they could reach a broader, more general audience with it because the, the project itself is terrific, and it's... They're taking the right steps to make that title seem like it's a noteworthy and uh, significant title again. Um, it's just going to take a long time. It's going to take time. Our videos are getting more views than their title match videos. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, and this is nothing against uh, Nick Aldis, but, and, I, and this is something I've never understood with the NWA back before Billy had it. You know, um, they would put the NWA title on, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, again, not disparaging anybody, put it on Tim Storm and put it on Adam Pierce. Uh, if I'm the general guy, uh, general fan, I don't know who those guys are. If I see NWA champion 
on a poster and I see uh, so-and-so, I, I, I'm not compelled to buy a ticket. If I see NWA heavyweight champ, world heavyweight champion Billy Gunn, I know who Billy Gunn is. I'm, you know, and I'm more compelled to buy a ticket because that name has a brand awareness to it. The NWA. So those were the words from Al Snow, who uh, recently did a shoot interview for TheHannibalTV.com. That's TheHannibalTV.com. Um, they have a YouTube page. Uh, they do matches from a wrestling promotion that they're associated with, along with a lot of shoot interviews. And if you visit the page right now, you can find a link to go to their site on this interview so you can listen to the whole thing. But um, what we're debating tonight is the merit of what Al Snow said on that podcast or that interview. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where do you stand? If you'd like to call in and weigh in on the discussion, the telephone number is 657-383-1543. Uh, DKM, I wanted to get your thoughts first. What do you think about what Al Snow said? In my view, we have to be real careful about what he said and what he did not say. He didn't, as he put it, he didn't disparage anybody. He wasn't saying Adam Pierce wasn't a good champion. Or even Tim Storm or anybody like that. What he was saying, and this uh, for those who go back on our bulletin board, we or message board, excuse me, showing my age. Uh, it's certainly a conversation that we've had countless times, which is, you know, the value of a quote unquote name versus the value of trying to build a champion. Where I think Al Snow got it right is, yeah, you can, you know, everybody tells me that Nick Aldis versus uh, Ellsworth was a good thing because it got 800,000 or 900,000 views on YouTube. Whereas I argue it's a bad thing because that's not what you want 900,000 people to see as the NWA. But what he's saying is you get a name out there that people know and people go, oh, yeah, I know him. I'd buy a ticket for that. The problem is history does not bear that out. Rob Conway, former WWE star, former WWE tag team champion, was a two-time champion. I don't know that he drew better than... Jack Stane did. I don't know know that he drew better than Adam Pierce did. He was a good champion. I liked him. Defended his title. Wish he'd done a few more promos. But, you know, I, I don't have any complaints with him as champion, but he never drew better. Even if he had that quote-unquote name recognition. Uh, I went to a card that Billy Gunn was on. It drew 500 people. Uh, probably 400 of them were there to see the uh, Kevin Von Erickson's. You know, so I don't know that Billy Gunn drew that card. It was the Von Erick boys. So, right. you know, I, 
I understand what he's saying, fully agree with what he said, only because history does not bear out what he said. That's and, my uh, thoughts. That's fair. Jaden, uh, what's your two cents on this? I don't really think what he said was wrong, but I also don't believe what he said was 100% right. Uh, I know he chose Billy Gunn because, A, he is familiar with Billy Gunn, and Billy Gunn is wrestles very often. He gets booked, uh, I'd probably say, 40 out of the 52 weekends a year, and he's usually working a couple different events throughout that weekend. I know when he's around here, he's probably on three shows in a weekend in the Northeast and where I, around where I live, and he has that name recognition. The problem is Billy Gunn probably, even though he has been a lot more prolific than most champions that the NWA has used are currently in wrestling or have ever since, you know, since the reclaiming of the glory. But I don't think Billy Gunn is the right wrestler because to use it as an example, because he kind of, he would, if Billy Gunn was NWA champion, it would kind of segregate the current fan base the NWA has, and the object is to take what we the NWA currently has and build upon it. Yes, again, he is a name that is well-recognized. There may be a better example. I mean, Brian Danielson might have been a great example of that could have happened. Or say, maybe Cesaro, if he ever leaves the WWE. Or... Um, Maybe Austin Aries, who's got a, a lot more recognition to it. That may be a better example than, say, Billy Gunn, but they are right. A person like uh, a Billy Gunn or an Austin Aries or anything like that is able to get a lot more eyes on there. I know a few promoters in the area, and there is a general belief in professional wrestling that bringing a name in, somebody kind of known, uh, is able to drawing a crowd easier. Now, of course, you still have to put the legwork in. You still have to put the posters out there. You still have to put the flyers out there and the radio ads and the television ads and the and the social media ads and everything to get that word out there. But it is, it's kind of easier, they say, to do so with somebody that's more recognized. Um, again, nobody cares if Hulk Hogan's on the show if nobody knows about it. With that said, I think he is correct. It would make it easier on the NWA if somebody of more general, well-known stature was the champion, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right way. But it would, again, potentially be an easier route to take. Well... I feel like your guys' collective takes have changed considerably since we spoke about this this morning. I am of the feeling that, is he wrong? And I have several ways I'm going to try to prove that he's wrong. Um, first, let's, let's, let's bring it down to the brass tacks, right? Because although we, we're debating the NWA of yesteryear, not – not Billy Corgan, not Dave Lagana, not Nick Aldis, but we're talking about Bruce Tharp, we're talking about Bob Trowbridge, 
We're talking about NWA champions Adam Pierce, Tim Storm, Jack Stane, Hiroshi Tenzin, Satoshi Kojima, Rob Conway, Cahagas, Colt Cabana, The Sheik, Blue Demon Jr., and Brent Albright. Those were the men that represented the NWA between the time that TNA split and that Billy Corgan purchased the NWA. During that time, some of those champions were household names and some of them weren't. Some of those guys are international superstars and some of them aren't. But what we do know is that nobody, nobody in the NWA at that time was booking talent on the same caliber as a Billy Gunn. And I don't mean in terms of performance. I mean in terms of name value. One to that list of world champions, as as DKM acknowledged, was Rob Conway. Rob Conway had a similar career path while in the WWE, a multi-time tag team champion. I don't think Con- Conway never won a King of the Ring, and I, I don't think he ever won a Intercontinental title either. I could be mistaken on that, and someone can source me on no, that. No, he was never a single. He was never a singles champion WWE. But Conway had that WWE pedigree in that he came from Ohio Valley. He was trained by the WWE development. Um, he is a product of the WWE in a sense that um, you know that's where he got his foundation at. Uh, he was never over the way Billy Gunn was um, with DX, but then, I mean, we have to start rationalizing that. Was it DX that was over, or was it Billy Gunn that was over? If we would have put Sean Waltman in the same sentence, would Sean Waltman make a good NWA world champion because of where he was, because of the titles he held, because of the notoriety that he had? Um, but getting back to the brass tacks, Billy Gunn isn't going to be a downside NWA guarantee. Billy Gunn is going to be a lot more than that, probably close to five times more in a booking fee. Now, yes, some some guys are out there that can pay that, but we know from past experiences and and what we knew about the previous NWA, there wasn't a whole lot of money going around. There wasn't a lot of big bookings for guys like a Billy Gunn. Now, that's not to say that we didn't see world championship matches featuring guys like Charlie Haas or Lance Hoyt or Lance Cade or Trevor Murdoch or King Mabel. There was a lot of guys from the WWE from that era who did have opportunities to challenge for that world title. But not one of them, not one of them won that title. Um, And again, I think that comes down to dollars and cents because, uh, again, there were people who complained about Adam Pearce being world champion because he was residing out of San Diego and that it would be too cost prohibitive to play, to pay for an airline ticket and hotel accommodations. Um, But I guarantee you, Billy Gunn isn't jumping in a car driving eight hours to make a a show or 16 hours to make a show. He's going to need the same airplane ticket. He's going to need the same hotel accommodations plus whatever he was asking. So I think from the standpoint for the NWA or for Al Snow to think that the NWA should have put the belt on somebody they couldn't afford, well, again, that's uh, where would that money have come from? And I don't even think I don't even think Al Snow believes that, but I, I hear you guys want to chime in, so go ahead. Well, I think I think Al Snow wasn't thinking reality based at that time. I think what he was saying, I think what he was thinking, and you know. Again, this conversations that would come up on the board and stuff like that, you know, can they be afforded or whatever. 
I mean, you know, during Adam Pierce's first first title reign, first two, they were kind of together. Right. You know, he defended his he defended his title more outside the NWA than he did inside the NWA. Absolutely, because because he went and hustled himself to where we'd be willing to book him, and you know, right. those tiny little those tiny little little promoters didn't want to pay whatever the fee was. Now, as he went on and, and I, became more popular and was traveling more. You know, then some more of them got in there. But there were some who were would, never going to book him. I would like to add that during his first two reigns, he defended the title more outside of California, not just out of NWA promoters, but out of his home state, he was defending the title more. So, I mean, I think, again, that goes to the culture of the whole do-it-yourself deal where Adam Pierce was very much hands-on, and he was very much getting his name out there and getting booked, to your point, whether it was an NWA promoter or not. But, I mean, he was spending time in West Virginia. He was spending time um, – well, I mean, that's the one that stands out the most, isn't it? He spent had a lot of ma- uh, matches out there in NWA Virginia, NWA uh, – not Smoky Mountain, but NWA Mountain State. Um, and those were in his first two years, as, his first two reigns as champion. But um, go ahead, finish your point, DK. I'm sorry. Well, he he defended a lot in the Midwest too, where he had a history. Right. Although he was living in Southern California at the time, he of course had his history was back into the Chicago Midwest area. Right. And, but again, I think this is. I think what Al Snow was doing was he was oversimplifying the situation, and he's saying, "Hey, if you want to get noticed." You put the title on somebody who's going to get you noticed. Now, again, I think Billy Gunn was a horrible example. But, and again, that was conversations we had. I mean, there were people that wanted to put the title on a 50 year old Raven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, if you remember that, if you remember that conversation. I do, I mean, and, I, and you I, know, that's a different debate, too. But yeah, I remember that. And, uh, you know, part of the problem was. Uh, part of the problem with who your average WWE guy is, is most of them are already, if I can be polite, kind of past their prime. Uh, sure. On the down, on the downside of the career. I mean, however you want to say it, uh, which is what makes this event with Cody Rhodes so different because right. he is at, he's at his hot, Spot his pinnacle right now, right. And so, uh, again, it's one of those things. I understand what he was trying to say. I don't think he did a very good job of saying it. But um, I don't have a problem with him saying it. You know, well, see, I, it, it, I, I, I guess, I, I guess that's what we were in our earlier conversations. That's what we were separating. I don't feel like he was disparaging anybody. I think he was just saying, oh, if you wanted to get more eyes, you would put title on somebody like this. Well, yeah, well, but, then there's some, know, but then there are certain realities. <laughs> if you've ever heard – I can't remember what stand-up comedian said it, but he said when somebody says with all due respect, you're usually not going to be respected. And that's what I feel happened here. I feel like Al Snow said, I'm not trying to disparage them, but then openly disparage both Tim Storm and Adam Pierce. 
and and Jaden, I want I want you to get to your point if you have one, um, but I just felt like that was a disrespectful move that didn't need to be made, and uh, and, and I don't know, I it, it rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, Jaden, what what are your two cents? Well, I will say I believe you're having trouble separating your personal relationship with Adam Pierce when from what may be a professional outlook on what's going on kind of have insight on what it costs to fly Adam Pierce out from California and what it would take to for him to stay and then his cost. I also kind of have insight what it would cost to fly Billy Gunn from Florida to where, you know, the dangerous general nursing gladiators run and what his cost would be and what it would cost for them to put him in a hotel room. And Billy Gunn is not that much more expensive when it add those together than Adam Pierce was. Um, I know for a fact that the NWA championship helped draw on a dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators event. I know it was one of the factors to the crowd that they got when the NWA championship match was taking place on a dangerous adrenaline wrestling gladiators event. I know what Adam Pierce has done in the Northeast. Unfortunately, it's in Ring of Honor, so it's probably a more of a looted gate. And I also know that Billy Gunn has worked numerous times in the Northeast and what the highs and lows are. Based off of that, Billy Gunn probably helped draw a smaller promotion a crowd comparable to what Adam Pierce was wrestling in Ring of Honor that I don't necessarily know he was a positive or negative in the draw for that. So I would like to I would like to based respond to that, on that when, when I have a chance. Okay, based on that alone, um, more eyeballs could potentially, or at least different eyeballs that are would be potentially. Um, with somebody like a Billy Gunn could potentially be a lot more prolific than say Adam Pierce. I do wish that the Adam Pierce NWA championship defense did happen in dangerous general wrestling gladiators. Um, it would have been great for the company and be Adam Pierce is a great professional, a great wrestler, a great star and an amazing champion. And I know it's the crowd in, say, dog, Adam Pierce would mean more than, say, you know, like a CZW or, say, um, a, a Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Alliance, which is a smaller indie in my area. I know that the crowd that came to that type of promotion is more susceptible to a, or more, not susceptible, but more respectful to an Adam Pierce than, say, other promotions but I can't guarantee any other of the promotions he would have the same effect on. And that's fair. So let me respond to your criticism of my judgment on the situation, because the way I see it, it's not just Adam Pierce. I believe it's the collective of the NWA world heavyweight champions. Now, granted, I have a great relationship with Adam Pierce. I think he's a hell of a guy. I think he's a hell of a performer. But this isn't what I'm talking about. What I'm trying to bring it back down to is during the time 
the the Trovich era and during the time of the of the Tharp era, the NWA had most of its activity based in two states. During the Trobich area, there was California because there was not just Marquez, but the affiliate of promotions that Marquez was promoting under. And we're talking from Northern California down to Southern California, also Nevada, Arizona. That was kind of during uh, Trobich's time. That's where a lot of the NWA world title matches were coming out of. Pierce was also defending in West Virginia. Uh, when Sheik was champion, he was defending the title in Florida, right? But that was only during his time as world champion. Other than that, the world title never really traveled to Florida. On the East Coast, I can't remember uh, before Tim Storm how many champions actually traveled to the East Coast to defend the NWA World Heavyweight title. We know Brent Albright and 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 Pierce defended it at Ring of Honor. But outside of that, I don't believe there was a lot of world title matches in the Northeast. In fact, Pierce's kind of area of defenses were down in the Southwest and down in Southern California, as well as uh, in West Virginia, Virginia. So on the East Coast, in the, in the South, excuse me, in Texas, I don't really want to consider that the South, and in uh, California. And then when you look at Brent Albright, his defenses were, again, he had a few matches in Ring of Honor as champion. He had a lot of matches in the Southwest with uh, NWA Southwest and NWA Oklahoma promotion. He, I don't even believe he had a title defense in Southern California. Then, of course, Cabana's reigns were so short that he didn't really have very many reigns, uh, very many matches in the United States period. Um, and then Blue Demon Jr., obviously, most of his title matches were Northern California with Pro Wrestling Revolution, handful of matches in Hollywood, handful of matches in Mexico. Not a lot of world title defenses in the United States. The point I'm trying to get is, at least through the Trobich area, the belt kind of stayed in the southwest, west coast area. During the Tharp era, the belt almost was exclusive to Texas and Tennessee. It, yes, we did have a world champion crowned in New Jersey. And yes, that champion, Cahagas, defended the title in Florida and in the Midwest. But by the time he lost it and Rob Conway won it, the belt pretty much became exclusive to either the Southwest promotions in Texas, Tennessee, or it was traveling to Japan, which I think was a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I actually think that was one of the best things that happened during the Tharp era was the NWA world title in New Japan. But again, it wasn't spending a lot of time in the Northeast. It wasn't spending a lot of time in Florida. It wasn't spending a lot of time in the Midwest, which kind of makes me, let's go back to the topic at hand, and let's talk about dollars and cents. Who were promoting these matches? Well, you know, Dave Marquez's family of promotions were, were booking Pierce. And, and if you think about it, he booked Pierce. He booked Cabana. He booked, he booked Demon. He booked Albright. He booked... Um, he wanted to book Jack Stain, believe it or not, even uh, after the uh, NWA split. Uh, but he never, you know, the Sheik obviously wasn't one of his guys, and he never booked him. Um, and during the Tharp era, you know, Jack Stain, Rob Conway, uh, the guys from New Japan, most of those ma- matches happened in either Tennessee or in Texas with a handful of the uh, the NWA, the family of Texas promotions. So uh, knowing that, 
what Billy Gunn was able to bring to the table with that have, you know, to 450 fans, 500 fans, that number wasn't very different with Billy Gunn or without Billy Gunn. And to DKM's point, he felt like the fans were there to see the Von Eric kids anyways. Um, but the point I'm trying to make with all that is I don't even think Billy, excuse me, I don't even think that Al Snow believed what he was saying when he had that interview. Because, yeah, it's very easy to chime in and say, well, what about this guy or that guy? But Al Snow is a proprietor of Ohio Valley Wrestling. And as uh, if we were to, right now, who is, the, who is the heavyweight champion of Ohio Valley Wrestling right now? Would either of you know off the top of your head? No, I can't say I do. But I also could say that Ohio Valley Wrestling isn't a national promotion. It's a local school with a pedigree and a name because of its affiliation with people like Jim Cornette and Danny Davis and the World Wrestling Entertainment and Al Snow as one of the trainers, you know, yeah. WWE trainers. Uh, the star power of Ohio, Ohio Valley Wrestling is its lineage and its name. And in, in, in this now, in some point, Al Snow, it doesn't need a name champion. We don't need to know the champion because it's all it is is it's a breeding ground for future superstars. Would the lineage of the Ohio Valley champion be greater than the lineage of the NWA World Heavyweight Champion? No, but it's also not a national promotion. It's a small, regional, school-based promotion. If, until, if, if this until, was, and, go ahead. If Ohio Valley Wrestling changed its name to Omega Valley Wrestling or Omega uh, Victory Wrestling and decided to tour around the United States, then, yes, a champion of some kind of name power and validity does make a big difference but if their goal is to take the students and teach them and have them learn and ohio valley wrestling's again not in any way shape or form afraid to bring in name wrestlers uh, rob conway still occasionally wrestles down there so does uh nick dinsmore who wrestled as eugene um i know there's others too that they occasionally do bring in and they do it so they have them, the young talent to show some promise. They get up a bit of rub and they get experience wrestling somebody who's been there. It's not they're, It's not the, the major focus to bring a champion to Ohio Valley Wrestling. It's not the Ohio Valley Wrestling champion isn't the draw. The Ohio Valley Wrestling brand is semi a draw more for students than for actually maybe the fans in attendance. But then I would argue this, that the NWA, the world champion, isn't necessarily the draw. It's the world title that is the draw. And that the world champion, regardless of who it is, is supposed to be the best wrestler in the NWA. Now, you brought up the fact that Ohio Valley is a regional player. It's not a national company. But let's not forget, the NWA was a collective of promotions that were regionally-based promotions, most of which were smaller than Ohio Valley, most of which would love to have the kind of attendance that Ohio Valley had or a TV deal like Ohio Valley had. In fact, some would even argue that Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is maybe bigger than Ohio Valley or maybe that they're about the same size in terms of market penetration and what they've done. 
but let's remember the NWA was a collective of wrestling promotions, regional promotions. It wasn't a national promotion. There wasn't a nationally syndicated NWA television show. There wasn't a national touring brand. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood did tour, yes, but they did the majority of that touring when the world title was still in Impact Wrestling. So let's not get, you know, let's let's not pull the cart before the horse. We're talking about regional promotions that were booking the NWA World Champion. Uh, okay, but then that goes to the whole idea here, which is Ohio Valley's not a collection of wrestling. Correct. Uh, promotions. So Ohio Valley's going to draw the same people every week. Unless you bring in Billy Gunn, and then maybe you pop the crowd, and then maybe Billy Gunn wins your world title or your heavyweight title, and you grow, and you grow a larger audience, which in turn recruits well, more well, students the, to their the, schools. You're you're assuming a goal thing here, but I don't think that's what it is. If, you know, well, I'm assuming about, none of none of us know what Al Snow's plans are with Ohio Valley. He hasn't shared yeah, that with you and me I don't or Al Snow's plans. But then, you know, everyone says, "Give the NWA time. Give Al Snow time." Sure, he may put the title on somebody like Billy Gunn. Sure. So, and, and but that's that's the point hurt, I'm making. You can't criticize him today. You can't criticize him today when the guy's barely taking over the organization. Is still getting all the ducks in a row and everything like that, that he hasn't put the title on someone like that. I don't know what his goal is. If his goal is to keep it the way it is, then what you do is you give your guys the runs with the title so that they learn how to be a champion. Well, I mean, and then, okay, and then let's go, let's go back 10 years ago in the NWA. Okay, okay. Let's go back 10 years well, in the NWA. I, I haven't finished now. The NWA pre Tharp was a collection of small promotions. But the truth is, small promotions didn't book the world champion anyway. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe a third of them. Most but, of the members of the NWA were no longer actively promoting. That's fair. And they didn't, uh, they didn't really give a crap. Correct. That's what. That's what made it easy to give the title to TNA. Correct. Hey, what we can get money? Great. We can get money for the fees, and we can get money for you know whatever TNA, and you know maybe they can help promote some of our local shows or whatever. Um, and remember, the, the the original deal didn't go anywhere close to happen anywhere close to what the original plan was. Right. Because you know. T- was originally supposed to be traveling to all these different promotional things and doing joint shows and all that stuff. Right. And that ended after one, ended after one week. And so, but I mean, the, the NWA promoters, as far as the partners and the owners, very few of them promoted. And those that still did, a vast majority of their things were sold shows. So, they pocketed two thousand dollars, whether that thing drew two hundred people or drew five thousand people. Right, right. And uh, you know, and the people who promoted it were normally whoever bought the show. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, you know, under pre pre Tharp, 
you could have put the title on somebody like Billy Gunn or uh, who who was a WWE person from that time who would have been available. But, you know, they could have put the title on somebody who was associated with WWE, knew, I mean, uh, maybe was more fresh out of it and something like that. And he would have been booked, and he would have been booked several times, and he would have been booked. He just wouldn't have been booked to many NWA promotions. But, again, Curse wasn't booked to many NWA promotions until his and, third and, and fourth time. And, and, and that's and so, 100% fair. Now, where things changed was when Tharp came in, when Tharp and his partners first took over and eventually dwindled down to just Tharp, they were trying to push the NWA champion as something exclusive to their to their promoters. Right. And of course, that fell apart as soon as they got involved with New Japan. Cause, Correct. You know, for, for a total of about 11 months, the title was in New Japan, right? You know, out of the out of the four and a half years or whatever he they had the they had the NWA name. So, of course, they couldn't hold people responsible for booking the title when the title wasn't available, right? And thing, but you know, the two people that were in New Japan were New Japan legends, but yeah. that doesn't translate. That doesn't translate here in the U.S. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, and even let me let me just cut in because I'm, I want to help prove your point. Al Snow later in that interview talks about how the NWA World Title, um, the interviewer whose name I didn't get, brings up the fact that the World Title was still active in Japan even though it was no longer on U.S. soil. And Al Snow more or less made your point. What does that do for the promoters here? What does that do for the NWA here? Nothing. I mean, it's great, and for and for us NWA marks, NWA fans. That's awesome, yeah, because Tenzin is now on the list of champions. Kojima is on the list of champions. But at the end of the day, they weren't coming here regularly to defend those titles, and they weren't coming here regularly to uh, you know, put on shows. And the WWE casual fan really didn't know who those guys were because I would say up until the last two or three years, uh, New Japan has still been kind of a mystery to American audience. I think it's just really in the last, what, two or three years, maybe more, maybe four years, has it really blossomed uh, thanks to uh, Access TV and the Bullet Club and their deal with Ring of Honor, but um, go ahead. I'm sorry, DK. Finish your point. Well, no, and you were kind of making it, as you said. You're helping along. You know, here's the question. We can criticize WWE all we want, but who draws? We can say they don't draw as big as they used to. We can say their ratings are down or whatever. There ain't a wrestling promotion planet that doesn't want what they have. Just as a stockholder, I would like to add that uh, I've made uh, a little more than twice as much as what I invested in it. So I'm actually quite happy with the WWE. They can keep doing what they're doing because uh, as a stockholder, I'm enjoying the reward of that. So go ahead. Yeah, and so – uh, my point is, if you went to a WWE show and you go to the middle section, you know, let's say they're drawing 10,000 people and they have the floor in the lower section and the upper section. Well, you know, you go to the middle section, pick any row at random, walk down that row and ask them who the current IWGP champion is and who he beat for the title. 
Yeah, some people would know. But a lot of people would go, what? Who? IWGP, huh? Because they draw a casual fan that nobody else draws. And so, and that's, I think that's what Al Snow was trying to say. If you want to get the, if you can put James Ellworth in the ring against uh, Aldis and draw 900,000 viewers on YouTube, imagine what you could do if you put the title on somebody who was worthy of being a champion. And so, you know, the business models, the business model for that would have actually worked better under the Tharp regime where the title wasn't restricted to NWA promotions and the champion could basically book himself anywhere he wanted and was basically allowed to book title matches as long as he didn't lose. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. I'm happy with the way history went. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, with like Pierce, you know, Pierce's champion, I was happy with Dane as champion. I was happy with Conway as champion, you know. I can't say I was overly happy with Tim Storm as champion, but it wasn't Tim Storm's fault. That was basically when the negotiation started with uh, Billy Corgan and everything, and so there just wasn't a lot going on. Right. Jaden, I've kind of been talking. Would you like to add something? Yeah, I think I want to prove Al Snow's argument in one bit of information. Um, Jay, when Chris Candido was NWA champion, even though I'm one of my favorite people in the world and I knew who he was, was the NWA making any money or were they getting any members or were they about to fail and, and crash and burn? I believe they were about to fail, crash, and burn. Now, Candido in that period was probably on the same level as Pierce was as NWA champion. Yet when you became a fan of the National Wrestling Alliance, when the membership exploded, when the name value of the National Wrestling Alliance grew, was it because somebody like Dan Severn, who was a UFC champion and drawing big ratings on pay-per-view, showed up on the WWE television and basically put the NWA back on the map and got to the fact that it became the bunch of small regional promotions to grow, uh, to become part of the National Wrestling Alliance and to grow the brand. Well, well now, Isn't that now I exactly think our... the name value of the champion was it? I mean, because the same championship was the same that Chris Candido held that uh, Dan Severn held. They were the same value as champion. But now all of a sudden, the spotlight and the name value and the champion itself caused well, a resurgence and a surplus of promotions. Well, I think you're 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 mixing two things here because if the title had just gone on Dan Severin, I don't think you get the same reaction that you get for a wrestling fan. And just speaking from my perspective as a wrestling fan who was new to the UFC, you know, I started watching from UFC number one. So yeah, when I saw Dan Severn and Al Snow walk to the UFC ring and him holding an NWA world's heavyweight championship, of course I popped. That was amazing to me. However, 
that didn't that isn't what brought the NWA back to prominence. It was being on WWF TV, and I mean, there's a big difference between. I mean, if they would have had Jeff Jarrett as the NWA World Champion on WWE TV, it would have been the same thing. It was the WWE that brought the spotlight to the NWA, not Dan Severin. Because when Dan Severin yeah. left the WWE, yes, he had gotten a rub from that NWA World Championship run on it. But once the WWE was done with the NWA and Dan Severin was back to wrestling in 0-1 against Shinya Hashimoto, it wasn't on the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It went back to the – I'm not going to say it went backwards, but the shine that the WWE put on it is what made it. Let's not confuse what happened. Dan Severn was a great champion, and certainly he would have drawn more people's interest into it, but it didn't revive the NWA, not in any stretch. That was the WWE because as soon as the WWE – I agree it was the WWE. I agree it was the WWE that put was the major factor, but do you think Mike Rapata would have been put in that spot? Do you think well, no, but uh, I think Can yeah. Candido could have done that. I think Jarrett could have done that. I think Barry Windham could have done that. I mean they were flirting with that idea at the Bradshaw. They were flirting with that idea when they first did the NWA invasion with the North American title. I mean they flirted with that the whole time. Jarrett, Windham, uh, Bradshaw, you know, about the rock and roll express in. They, the WWE did such a favor for the NWA at the time, guys on TV putting those three letters on TV. I don't think it would have mattered if it was Dan Severn. I think you could have done – I don't think Mike Rapata certainly would have had the same effect, but I think Chris Candido would have. For certain, I think Chris Candido would have. I mean, he, he was a former WWE wrestler at that point. The body I, I don't agree with you because the Pro Wrestling Illustrated started – Chris Candido, as an NBA champion, was wrestling for a big, bigger promotion in Smoky Mountain. He wasn't really defending the the NWA championship in that area, but at least he was wrestling in that bigger area. But it wasn't until Dan Severn won it that the uh, website started covering it and that the um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated started covering it and that the message board started covering it and people started talking about it. He, he While the ball started uh, – the Boulder started going downhill much faster once the WWE got a hold of it. The momentum was already starting to be there when Dan Severn was the champion. But, it, but Severn, again, we're, ta- we're, we're comparing apples to oranges here because we're talking about someone who made their fame in a sport outside of wrestling. And what, if, what, if the, what if the NWA, when Bruce Tharp, Bruce Tharp, when Tharp took over, what if the NWA was able to land Chael Sonnen to be NWA World Heavyweight Champion? Do you think that would have gotten people's attention? Do you think that would have gotten yes. more people? Yeah, absolutely it would. But it's not because Chael Sonnen is a great wrestler, not because Chael Sonnen uh, you know, had time here or there. It's because he was a mixed martial arts fighter who gained a ton of notoriety in the world of MMA and was, would be transitioning to a pro wrestling deal. Would Tito Ortiz get the ball rolling the same way? Absolutely. It, you're comparing you're comparing an MMA fighter who has look he wasn't a famous pro wrestler that came after he was yeah. wrestling for years he wasn't a well known name it was when he started doing mixed martial arts that he became a uh, a big name Dan Severin, yeah but you're saying he has the same exact no it's not you're the saying same he has the it, same exact name as Jeff Jarrett or or Chris Candido and I'm saying no he wouldn't have because he brought eyes before. 
did WWE. He started the name. So I'm yes, saying, I'm, I'm saying that if, I'm saying if you were the WWE, you could have done that same invasion without Dan Severn. You could have done that invasion. You could have put the belt on Al Snow and had the same exact invasion that they had. That didn't make the NW, excuse me, that Dan Severn wasn't the cog that stirred that drink. It was the WWE. And I'm saying today, if you brought in Chael Sonnen during the Tharp era, because again, I don't want to get into what's going on today. I think today is, it's separate. Al Snow even noted it. He thinks that they're doing a wonderful job. So let's not try to get today mixed up. Let's go back to yesteryear. Marquez and Trovich or, or uh, Chris and Bruce and Fred, I mean, it was a different time. If they would have gotten Chael Sonnen to come in, yeah, that would have been a big deal and would have brought more spotlight to the NWA, but it's be- not because of, of what Chael Sonnen had done in a professional wrestling ring. It was what he did in mixed martial arts. That's the point I think you're trying to make is that Severin did this, and I, and I don't see point- it. I- that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make it as the fact that they put him on a – they put somebody with a bigger spotlight and then put him in a company with a much bigger spotlight, the NWA group. That's my point. My point is that if you put some the NWA championship on somebody who has a bigger spotlight on them, then it puts a bigger spotlight on the NWA. It's a very symbiotic relationship. But is Billy Gunn – somebody who brings that much more magnitude? No, come on. That's we're, ridiculous. We're we're we're, talk, we're we're putting too much attention on the fact that he chose Billy Gunn. Uh, I think at the moment, the whole reason Nick Aldis is the champion is because he's a bigger name than Tim Storm. He has some name value because he oh, has sure. TNA exposure because he has some the whole the whole reason they chose to put it on him instead of putting it back on Jack Dane or Josephus or something is because he actually can draw more fans because he had some name value. The, Billy Corgan is proving Al Snow's point. The reason they put it on him is to show because he's got some more so he can get garner more eyes. Yes, the NBA right, championship is so, still a bit of the draw, so, but there's a reason so and the back. next champion may be somebody even bigger. Let's go back in a time machine now. And let's talk about NWA Dog, and and tell me would NWA Dog have been able to afford Nick Aldis in a in a world title match? Would would NWA no. Mountain State be able to afford Nick Aldis in a world title match? Actually, uh, I know what Nick Aldis cost, and yes, um, was it a somebody? Is Nick Aldis at the current time at his cost somebody that's going to do more um, for the particular for over what his cost is I can't necessarily say that but I could say Jerry Lynn in NWA Dog more than covered his costs and Nunzio more than covered his costs and um, uh, Matt Stryker more than covered his costs and these guys aren't, other name these guys value aren't. guys these guys aren't regular members of the roster, though, and that's what you have to consider, too, is that we're talking about the NWA from 10 years ago, NWA from 15 years ago. We have to consider, at the time, could they afford that? On a regular basis, yeah. could, could, could 50% of Nick Aldis' bookings have come from the NWA 10 years ago, 15 years ago? 50% of the Tell, bookings oh. weren't coming from Pearson. He was less than that. 
Well, that might have played, but uh, I mean, I, I mean, you, the, you guys are conf- well. Everybody's confusing issues here, and one do- under the under the Trobitz regime, they could have put the title on anybody they wanted to, and it really wouldn't have mattered how much the cost. Because if NWA bookers, if NWA promoters didn't book them, so what? They didn't force them to book them. So as long as that guy was going around defending the title, wherever he was getting booked, you know, it would have been fine for them. They would have been happy. I think there was a fee involved in booking the champion. I'm not even 100% sure. But right. So under, under Trovich and Marquez and that era, they could have put the title on anybody they wanted to. Who was who was willing to go out and defend the NWA World Heavyweight Champion? I mean, some of the matches in the uh, Return to Glory weren't even in NWA promotions. The right. final, I, the, the final wasn't in an NWA promotion. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong, DK. But out of the eight, twelve, uh, thirteen matches in that tournament, only five of them were in actual NWA promotions. Am I correct? It was very close to that. I mean, so, I mean, at that time, you know, if, I don't know, somebody had left TNA, TNA was a bigger deal at that time, or somebody had left WWE, I mean, they would have been as good of an option as anybody to put the title on. Probably would have got more recognition, probably would have got more, you know, bookings in the world. And, you know, and one of the big debates that was always going on on the board and stuff like that, was quantity over quality or quality over quantity when it came to the membership. Did you want 30 members who 10 of them could book the champion or did, would you rather have, you know, five, six strong members who would book the champion? There are all sorts of different philosophies in different ways it could have been done. Uh, as Jaden pointed out, the title went on all this, and not on Josephus, because Aldous is better okay. known. If it goes on Rhodes, and I'm not saying it is or not, I would like it to. That's my official prediction, but, you know, who knows? There's a lot of politics in this wrestling world. You know, again, it's going on a bigger name, somebody who's going to gather more exposure and everything like that. And so if the idea is to return the organization to some type of national recognition and respect, you're going to go after wrestlers who people know. And real, real quick, you know, let me, let me interrupt just real quick. Cause I pulled up the, uh, the um, reclaiming the glory uh, tournament brackets. And I just want to clear some things up. Fred Sampson defeated Glamour Boy Shane in Mesa, Arizona. That was for Rising Phoenix Wrestling, which was an NWA affiliate of Dave Marquez. Brent Albright defeated Asamu Nishimuri. And that was in Slayersville, Kentucky. Thank you. And that was, uh, I believe, NWA Bluegrass. Brent Albright defeated Fred Sampson, who later became, uh, real quick, uh, you guys know him in the WWE. I can't think of his name right now. Darren Um, Young. Darren Young. Uh, 
uh, Brent Albright defeated Darren Young and I lost my list here now, uh, in Chula Vista, California. That was with SoCal Pro, which is an NWA affiliate. Um, Claudio not Castagnoli at the time it wasn't. Did... SoCal Pro was not at the time an NWA affiliate. I'll have to source you on that. Um, Claudio Castagnoli defeated Pepper Parks in Massachusetts. That was NECW at the time. They were not an affiliate. Tico Delico Jr. defeated Roughneck Ryan in Lebanon, Tennessee. That was, um, I think that was Saul, wasn't it? I doubt that was Saul because Saul wasn't around then. Saul was well after there, that. There, uh, there was, was an NWA promoter problem. in Tennessee. In, in Lebanon, I don't know I what they call it. Probably, it. It was what ended up becoming main event, NWA okay. main event. Who okay. NWA then, top rank was uh, was an affiliate of? Uh, they used a different name at that time, though. I don't remember what what it was. Was that NWA gotcha. Music City? Uh, no, it was past Music City. Music City was already gone by then. Okay, so let's just move on. Um, Claudio Castagnoli defeated Seco Delico Jr. in Connecticut. That was a non-NWA promotion. Uh, Brian Danielson defeated Nelson Creed in Vancouver, British Columbia. That was ECCW, NWA affiliate. Virgil Devitt defeated Mikey Nichols in Quincy, Massachusetts. I believe that was NECW again. Again, not an NWA affiliate. Danielson defeated Virgil Devitt in New York, not an NWA affiliate. Chad Parham defeated Damian Wayne in Cornelia, Georgia. That was an NWA affiliate, NWA uh, anarchy. Uh, Adam Pierce defeated Aaron Aguilera in Lodi, New Jersey. That was NWA East. Uh, excuse me, not NWA East, but NWA Pro Wrestling uh, East, the um, New Jersey affiliate of Dave Marquez. And then Adam Pierce defeated Chad Parham in Covina, California, Empire Wrestling Federation. We, again, we might have to source this because, like SoCal Pro, they they were a part of the NWA as a Dave Marquez affiliate, but I don't know exactly when that happened. Um, and then the finals, excuse me, the semifinals, Pierce defeated, excuse me, Danielson defeated Pierce in British Columbia against ECCW. Albright defeated Claudio Castagnoli in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I believe was part of the Fan Fest. So, I mean, that's not exactly the NWA. And then Bayman, Puerto Rico, Pierce defeated Albright. They were not an affiliate of the NWA, but Dave Marquez was uh, producing TV for IWA Puerto Rico at the time. So, again, not an NWA promotion, but somewhat affiliated with the brand. But, no, uh, just, I mean, to your guys' point, Either these promotions were NWA affiliated or became NWA affiliated. Uh, I don't think there was maybe maybe Chikara was the only promotion that wasn't ever affiliated. Well, that's not true. Chikara was affiliated with the NWA um, many many moons ago. They were part of the NWA Midwest with Ed Schumann, correct? I don't think so. I think. Chikara was never part of the NWA. They were just the Krakenbush was their champion, so I think they had a working relationship. Okay, well, that's, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I went off on that tangent. That's neither here nor there. That's not really getting back to the Al Snow debate. And what, I, what I'm kind of coming to after an hour of us discussing it is that I think we all have varying degrees of the same opinion. I all, I think we all believe that uh, Billy Gunn uh, have been have made a great NWA world champion, or would have done, w- would have put a 
and I don't want to choose my words correctly because I don't want to misrepresent what you guys think. Uh, the NWA World Championship probably wouldn't have benefited from someone like Billy Gunn, but could have benefited from somebody else like Billy Gunn. Does that make sense? I, I don't think that Billy Gunn would have made a large difference as far as helping any NWA promotions. The name more recognition or more casual fans to notice or maybe more coverage in the sheets and Mark Mags, you know, probably. I I don't think he was a good choice as an example from El Snow. I, you know, when I think Billy Gunn, I think tag team wrestling, honestly. I don't really think singles. I know he had a intercontinental title reign, but just I don't see him as just being a top champion outside of it. Uh, I think I think if you had taken somebody else, I think if you, uh, you know, X-Pac had a bad reputation, but let's say he didn't, maybe he would have been a good choice. You know? Well, and it's just, you bring you you bring it up, and I, I Jaden, I definitely want to hear your point of view too, but I just, that Waltman has been on my mind because he wasn't a stranger to the NWA. He was a former X-Division champion, and that happened during the time that uh, the NWA and TNA were still together. He actually challenged Pierce for the world title in Yuma, Arizona. He actually defeated Pierce for the Heritage Championship. He was touring in the smaller arenas uh, in the Southwest. In fact, I believe he won it in Dallas, Texas. Uh, maybe it was Corpus Christi, but I'm not exactly sure where, but it was in those uh, runs where Marquez was promoting in the state of Texas. So, I mean, just – I don't know that he's different, but at least he had a connection to the NWA had they made him champion. It would have been pulling some guy out of thin air. Um, and, and I, again, I believe if you look at their careers, I think Waltman had a bigger, uh, I would say more successful run in, in wrestling in general. I mean, he was a WCW cruiserweight champion. He was a WWE, uh, cruiserweight champion. He was a lightweight champion. Um, he, he held the tag titles, I think with Kane, but you guys might source me on that. I'm not hundred percent correct. He, uh, held titles in, TNA, like I said, the X Division. I think he also had the tag titles there too. But um, I mean, he had, he would have at least had some um, NWA history behind him. Whereas a guy like Billy Gunn would almost be like a shot in the dark. Sorry, uh, Jaden, you go ahead. I I just wanted to throw that out there. All right, I'm probably throwing out the insider knowledge, and I'm probably somehow exposing somebody, and I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble. But I kind of have a little insider knowledge to know that during various terms post-reclaiming the gold, reclaiming the glory, uh, names were thrown out there to be potential NWA champions like Samoa Joe. I believe there was a promoter pushing hard for Samoa Joe to be champion. Uh, I know, again, we'll go with Brian Danielson. Daniel Bryan is he is now. 
Obviously, would mean a lot more now than he would then, but he still was out there because of his name value. He was pushed hard for a champion. I know when the championship match was happening in Dog, the names Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, and Dan Severn mm-hmm. and Carlito were all talked about as potential winning of the championship. I believe Lance Hoyt was also in that name. So the NWA promoters kind of also had the same idea that Al Snow had. It just, for some reason, they didn't pull the trigger on it. Well, I mean, at least with some of the names that you came up with, there is a history to the NWA. Um, Some of them, Samoa Joe, no, he really didn't have much history with the NWA outside of his time with TNA where he, I don't think he ever even got a shot at the NWA world title, but I know he made overtures to Jeff Jarrett on an episode of the uh, Fox uh, Fox Sports uh, show that the TNA used to have. And he was the X Division champion, again, when TNA was associated with the NWA. So he, he did have some association with the NWA, at least relationship with TNA. And then, of course, uh, his time out here in Hollywood, although he didn't work directly for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, he did work to the, with the precursors, which were that New Japan uh, USA show that Dave Marquez produced. So, I mean, there's ties there. You look at guys like Dustin Rhodes, obviously, his history. I mean, even though uh, his, his his formidable years as a youngster were with Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, that's still heavily associated with the NWA even to this day. And, of course, his father's, you know, Dusty Rhodes, who was an NWA icon. Uh, Lance Hoyt spent a lot of time in the NWA Southwest. Uh, and, yes, I heard those same rumors about Lance Hoyt, Lance Cade, Charlie Haas, all those guys uh, who were regulars for NWA Southwest uh, were being pushed as potential future world champions, both with the old administration and the new administration. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and those are all fair points. And, and again, I guess what you're saying is, well, hey, they had WWE name value, but I mean, the point I'm trying to make is they also had ties to an existing NWA, whereas Billy Gunn, I don't think he's worked at least uh, not regularly for the NWA. Uh, You know, I I don't recall him. Go ahead. I was going to say, would you be so mad if they chose any wrestler besides Billy Gunn? Is Billy Gunn really your sticking point, or is it no? It's, I, it's not. It's not so much Billy Gunn because look, he's a fine wrestler. I saw him at New Japan. I did not buy my ticket to see him when he was out here in Long Beach, but he was here and he was delightful. He had a he put on a good match. It wasn't great. I don't have anything against Billy Gunn, and that's the thing. This isn't to me. It's not a personal thing. It has nothing to do with Billy Gunn. It has just a lot to do, I think, with let's look at the bigger picture. There were guys who were working with the NWA. If you want to throw a name out there, you know, do a little bit of research. And I, you know, I I guess that's hard to expect somebody of Al Snow's stature to research a topic before he opens up his mouth. But I mean, what the NWA did with Pierce, what the NWA did with Rob Conway, what the NWA did with Jack Stane, with what the NWA did with Blue Demon Jr. I think those are all things that should have been celebrated. And I think the way Al Snow said, well, I'm not going to disparage these guys, but they're nobodies. They're no-namers. Well, I mean, that's disparaging them. And and that's not just that's not just Pierce. You know, Blue Demon Jr. is not Blue Demon Sr., but Blue Demon Jr. has a cult following in Mexico. He's huge. And now that's Mexico, not the United States, sure. But it was a big deal for Blue D 
NWA World Champion. Hell, he was on a Coke can. Let's not forget that. The Blue Demon Energy Drink, that was a big deal. That that was notoriety. He was the NWA World title. He was the NWA World Champion. Excuse me. That was a big deal. Um, there were other guys, uh, like I previously said, who had association with the NWA. Do some research. They're out, they're out Lance Hoyt. Hell yeah, Lance Hoyt. Lance Hoyt was a former NWA World Tag Team Champion in TNA. Lance Hoyt wrestled in NWA Southwest. Lance Hoyt was right, like more or less a rising star. He didn't really get famous in the WWE. He made his name working in Impact. He made his name in New Japan. Um, but I bet you, well, I guess he doesn't have the same name as Billy Gunn because he didn't work in the WWE. Well, I mean, he did, but to a lesser extent. You guys know what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I just, I feel like there were other ways to go. And you certainly, I, I felt like when he said, I'm not trying to disparage these guys and then went ahead and disparaged them there, he could have chosen his words better. And again, you know, maybe the question caught him off guard. I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's trying to be a dick or an asshole, but that's how it came off to me. And, and again, not just because of Adam Pierce but because of Rob Conway, because of Jack Stane, because of Brent Albright, because of Blue Demon Jr. And you guys know how I feel about the Sheik. Your favorite. He's the best. You could go out and have chicken with him someday. I, You know what? I just might. Yeah, you just throw it at him. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> needs a hug. So I, I guess this debate didn't really end in a, a positive way because, I mean, I still think we're pretty much entrenched in what we thought in before this podcast. Um, but at least I think for me, I had fun discussing it. How about you guys? Was was this a fun, interesting topic? And would you guys be up to doing a debate show like this again? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention to what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, I'm a master debater, and next time we should talk about politics. That's something that I could always make sure that everybody agrees with my opinion on because uh, there's nothing that nobody wants to hear more about how great I am about or how much I know about politics. Can somebody kill his microphone, please? Uh, you can. <laughs> yeah, actually, you well, can. I, cer- uh, I, I certainly agree that uh, Jaden's a master debater. Yeah. And- <laughs> Several wrestlers have commented on that fact, and I don't know how they know, don't want to know, but, you know, hey. Uh, You know, look, I don't think any of us changed anybody's mind. I don't think we're as far apart. I think the big difference really at this particular moment is I honestly don't believe Al Snow made us, you know, was being disparaging. Uh, I think he picked a bad name when he picked a name. Uh, hey, that's life. We all see things differently. You know, I'll only hold it against you for two or three weeks or until the cookies come. Sure. And, and well, cookies are important. I'm fat. And I, yeah. I, need, <laughs> I, I need stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's fun to have discussions and figure out, you know, why Jay is wrong. And uh, I'm always up for, you know, having a show where Jade and I get to show that Jay is wrong. 
<laughs> I feel bad because we often pick on Jay and we often tag against him, but he likes avocados, so obviously there's something wrong with the boy. And you guys wonder why I started my own podcast. Um, <laughs> because okay, you're so, mean. Uh, because what? Because you're mean. And you tried mean. to abandon us. But we no, wouldn't let you, you abandon us. You guys are better on your own. That's why I try to avoid these podcasts. Um, but yeah, no, actually, this, we killed the last one, but still. <laughs> this, I think this was a fun topic. And, I, I, again, I, I can't stress enough. Go to thehannibaltv.com because um, we use their audio without their permission, and I'm sure that doesn't make them happy. But I want to make sure that I can plug them as much as I can because they're the ones that created this content. I want to thank Al Snow for putting his foot in his mouth because it gave us uh, over an hour's worth of content to talk about. And I really thought this was an interesting topic to discuss. Um, you know, there's no wrong answers, just wrong opinions. And obviously, you two have wrong opinions. And uh, unfortunately, we can't do much to change that. But um, I think this was another great uh, great time talking to you two gentlemen. Uh, I look forward to doing it again. I know we will be doing a podcast with the some of the stars from NW. <clears throat> excuse me, I had a frog in my throat there. We'll be having a podcast with some of the stars from Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. And uh, Jaden, uh, who have you spoken to? Who, who's coming on the show? Uh, Dr. Zirconium has actually known about that. I'm sure he'll get somebody maybe like World Wrestling Grand Prix champ William Huckabee, or maybe we could talk about uh, Breaker Morant or Dirty Money, the current Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators heavyweight champion. I'm sure he'll have a all-star lineup of people talking about the championship match and the event coming up on June 23rd at the Max Fit Sports Center located at 240 Delcy Drive South in Glassboro, New Jersey. That card is known as the All-American Bash, and it's headlined by WWE superstar The Patriot and the WWE superstar Matt Stryker. You know names that can help draw a card. <laughs> I see what you did there, and I don't appreciate it. Um, so, hey, guys, uh, again, thanks for uh, everyone who listened tonight or if you're listening tomorrow or whatever. Uh, don't forget that we're available on iTunes to download. Uh, just go into your app store, the iTunes store, uh, type in the Alliance Guys under podcasts, and uh, we're down there. You can stream over, gosh, uh, about 11 years' worth of content. We've been doing these podcasts since 2007, so there's a lot of interesting podcasts. Uh, make sure you go back and take a listen to some of the older ones and see how terrible it was then, and now you'll appreciate how good things are today. Um, also, if you would like, you could follow us on Twitter at The Alliance Blog. You could like us on Facebook at Alliance Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram, Alliance, the word dash, wrestling alliance dash wrestling and also at twitch Uh, twitch is the new feature that we're bringing to the site we're trying to get into the next generation of content distribution you can visit us at twitch uh forward slash excuse me twitch.tv forward slash alliance wrestling and uh that's going to do it for us tonight guys Anything else you'd like to plug before we go? No, that's it. Just remember, June 23rd, Maxfit Sports Center, Delcy Drive, Glassboro, New Jersey, Dangerous Drone, Russell Gladiators presents All-American Bash. All right. So for DKM, for Jaden, this is J-Cal. Have a wonderful evening and a pleasant tomorrow. This is the Alliance Guys podcast on